Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Now, here in the UK, we're currently sheltering from the blazing sunshine as, as we endure the highest temperatures in this country since weather began. But we found a place where the equipment won't melt and we'll soldier on until we all expire from heat exhaustion. Um, now, what... Really, what I'd really like to do is talk you through my five goals and four assists at five aside last night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we probably should spend some time talking about the Arsenal. Who better to do that than Adrian Clark and Art de Roche? Uh, morning. Good morning. Morning. Come morning, on then. What, morning, what morning. were the goals like? Heat he obviously doesn't affect you, Stoney. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> couple of uh, proper instep shots one that set up I thought I'd take a swing a side foot finish with a plum and one from a tight angle that the keeper got but pushed onto the bar and in if you want to know I could I could give you more <laughs> detail than that but honestly it's the greatest game in the world right we all know that but it was hot can I tell you my god it was hot what I was going to ask you by the way is what's the hottest game you've ever attended or or played in art I'll start with you. Hottest game you've attended or played in? I mean, this might be recency bias, but we had like an England-Norway media game yesterday <laughs> about <laughs> one o'clock in the afternoon, right opposite the Amex. And honestly, I think I started at right back and I was all right. Then a few subs and had to go to right wing and a few sprints in behind and I was finished. So yeah. yesterday springs to mind as one of those kind of hot experiences um and yeah my brain's a bit too frazzled to go beyond that no 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 i get it uh adrian you must have played uh many times in a hot weather and uh did you like it by the way did you like oh, playing no. in the heat no no, no it's my least favorite playing condition there was one summer where it was a little bit like it is right now when we were doing the tough bit of pre-season you know the runs and, and everything was physical at south End united and I suddenly felt really weirdly ill, like horribly ill. I had no, I literally all my energy drained out of me, and and I was sent to the club doctor, and they 
they were trying to work it out. And and it turned out that, that basically I hadn't been drinking enough, but I, my body had lost a dangerous amount of salt. Electrolytes, it's yeah, electrolytes. I right? just lost yeah. so much salt that I had to be put on these sort of really strong salt tablets, which were disgusting. That <laughs> made me, you know, almost puke on a daily basis, but it did sort me out. So now I really don't like it. In, in a, The hottest game, though, was actually outside the UK um, on tour with Arsenal, post-season, 95. I think it was the day Everton beat Man United in, in the FA Cup final. We played Hong Kong Rangers at the Hong Kong Stadium, and I could not breathe. It was just... Uh, it was like being in, a, in an oven. And yeah. it wasn't sunny, but it was just humid. so, so humid. humid. And yeah, yeah. yeah, it was yeah, it was horrendous. Um, shirt was dripping before I'd even gone on the pitch. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I can obviously handle these conditions better than you guys, I'll be yep. honest with you. Honestly, <laughs> to be fair, I, I, I also did five a side on Sunday and I, yeah, I think I got three goals and three yeah, but You're like 12, Art, you know? It's a slightly <laughs> different thing, but I get that. I've, no, no, you fair two, enough. Yeah, fair enough. You two still playing, me, just lazy ass. <laughs> yeah, but you, well, you've done your playing, but uh, and you did it at a slightly higher level than either of us. But... Um, for me, it's not so much planning because I, I actually like playing in the heat. I just it feels nice to me. But I think cup finals. I mean, you mentioned cup finals, Adrian. There's been a number of cup finals. I remember going to Arsenal Hull in twenty was it fourteen? Beautiful, beautiful sunny day and and uh, it, yeah, lovely, lovely and warm. And I, I do love watching me football in that weather. Uh, I'll be honest with you, but I certainly wouldn't want to run about in ninety degrees of heat uh, in the midday sun. Um, Luckily, the next World Cup's in Qatar, so everything will be fine. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, that is in the winter, so it's only about 40 degrees during the middle of the day. Uh, anyway, I should say, by the way, Art was saying he was at... Uh, were you at the game yesterday, the uh, the England I, game last night? Yeah, I was. Um, yeah. It, it went... Um, I thought it was going to be much uh, a much closer game than it actually turned out to be, but I don't and, think yeah. anyone's really complaining about that. No, no, no. No, quite. Um, and congratulations to Beth Mead of the Arsenal... Uh, women's team who scored a hat-trick for England at the Euros last night. Uh, we like to see our players doing well at international tournaments and she's got four goals in two games, which I think is a decent start. Licked in by Jesus. What an impudent, talented goal that oozes class. As for the men's team, uh, they played a friendly, their first proper pre-season friendly. You don't count the Ipswich game, really. Uh, FC number three, Arsenal five are oh, you watched this game didn't you were you at the game by the way no I, I had to stream it um so as with most people i don't actually on the stream it looked like a fair amount of fans actually got to the game um, where was, was it was in good. nuremberg right yeah yeah it was it was so uh, i think yeah. arsenal spent um most of the week at adidas's uh headquarters in germany um and then uh had their game on on the friday and i think uh, yeah, obviously, very much a game of two halves, but... 2-0 um, down to... at half-time, right? 2-0 down yeah. at half-time. Um, but then Gabriel Jesus' show in the second half, Adrian, he comes on, he scores within about 90 seconds. Um, I mean, does it mean anything? Does it... Because, I mean, to be fair, uh, it was a misplaced pass with the 1-2, wasn't it? It's really not where he meant to put it, but it comes back to him and he finished with aplomb, as we uh, like to say. And... Um, 
What does it mean? I mean, I guess we won't know for a couple of seasons, won't we? No, but it's just, a, it's good to get off to a bright start, isn't it? And yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter, but there's no, he's got rid of the pressure of of not scoring in the Arsenal colours. He got that out of the way very, very early. It wasn't just about his goals, even though they were two excellent finishes. The one with the one-two with Nelson, the other one was a near post run from a Martinelli cross. He just fl- got across the defender and flicked it in at the near stick. Really sharp goal. But his overall performance was pretty outstanding, I have to say, across the 45 minutes. He was mobile, particularly effective, drifting to the right-hand side. It was one beautiful dummy. Um, I don't know if you saw what Miedemar did um, for the Dutch with the assist the other night against Sweden, but it was similar in terms of he sort of dummied the ball to himself or flicked it around the corner to himself and had a had a great mazy run. He yeah he just he just looked really sharp. He also linked well with Nketiah. Yeah, well, and we'll could get... have scored four. Could well... have scored four because the two own goals basically he was about a centimetre away from from finishing both of those. So it was a, it was an astonishing 45. If it wasn't a friendly, you know, we really would be raving about it. Yeah, I, I mean, that thing about scoring art with strikers, I mean, I've spoken to Ian Wright about this in the past. They they need to get a good start, don't they? They You, you know, it, it, things can be so different if they just manage to get a goal in the first few games. Now, obviously, this is only a friendly, but... He's definitely up for it, isn't he, uh, Jesus? And uh, and if the confidence continues to build, we've got a player here, haven't we? Yeah, I think that's the key word, confidence, because if you are confident from, from the get-go and you do get that goal, then other parts of your game just come a bit more naturally. You you want to try things, like Adrian mentioned, that, that I think it was um, the spin on the mm. halfway line that he's talking about, and then he's able to drive up the pitch into the box. And that's something um, Arsenal haven't really had in a striker um, with, say, Lacazette playing there over the last couple of seasons. They haven't had someone who's able to just drive up the pitch with the ball and and then have support with them. Um, So, yeah, I think definitely having that, I guess, self-belief as well and then just having almost (laughs) the, the stats to back it up as well it just bodes well because then you can just open up so many more aspects of your play. And yeah, I think definitely getting that out of the way in the first game of pre-season, pre-season will help. And then hopefully the confidence is there so you can almost hit the ground running once the competitive football is underway. And Adrian, you mentioned that strike partnership with Eddie and Ketia. I mean, I'm interested in it, Eddie. We saw, didn't we, at the end of last season, what he can actually do. We went, oh, there he is. I remember <laughs> after the, was it the Chelsea game where we won 4-2 away near the end of the season and Graham Souness was sat there going, he was the best player on the pitch. This is a pitch, by the way, that included Erdegaard and Saka and plenty of decent players for Chelsea as well. And he was the best player on the pitch. And As he was against West Ham. As he was against West Ham as well. So do you think if he plays well enough pre-season, Mikel Arteta might go with two up front if the personnel work and and or it's certainly an option, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think we're suddenly going to see two up front in the second half of this game. It was it was kind of a three-one-four-two, but it was, it was very ambitious. Fluid, <laughs> Fluid yeah, wasn't it? Martinelli sort of at wing back with Laconga at one point, but. Martinelli and, and Reese Nelson are sort of wing back. So it was it was it was crazy attacking. And look, we did score five goals. Yeah. I it's something we it's a shape we might morph into 
in certain games where we're looking to get on top or where we're looking to, you know, retrieve a deficit or something. So I think they were just working on, on an idea. Options. There. Yeah, exactly. Options. But Nketiah looked good great, again. that's great, isn't it? Yeah, That's definitely. great. We need the more options we have, the better. And Adrian, I want it's to training. ask you about the strikers specifically. Mm. Uh, mm. We got a question on the comments for the pod. Uh, mm. And yes, Chris, if you're listening, we do look at the comments or more accurately... Abby looks at the comments and passes on the non-abusive ones to us. Um, when Adrian says we need another forward for a successful window, does he mean just another centre forward or would a wide forward do? He said, e.g., if we signed Rafinha or someone like that, it was played through in the middle a bit, but a lot more on the wings. What are no. you saying, yeah, No, I'm not saying Rafinha. Rafinha wouldn't count. Um, I'm, I'm talking about a, a, someone that's comfortable playing down the middle. John Artson um, is what you're talking about. <laughs> I would like a tall guy. I really yeah. would, because just to offer offer us something different. But 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 I would take a Serge Gnabry. Now Serge Gnabry will remember him as a winger and, <laughs> and he still and he still is a very good wide man, but he has experience playing as a striker as well. So he would qualify. Rafinha for me is a is a midfielder, you know, more of a, a definite winger. I, I sort of view him as a Riyad Mahrez type player. Yes. Um but not not yeah, not a forward. So so yeah, that yeah, it's a it's a goal getter. It's a it's a it's someone that is very comfortable playing down the middle and yeah, it's as 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 well as we're playing going forward at the moment, we've scored five in both games. We need it. I'm telling yeah, you, we need it. We do, because we've got quite a lot of games this year, haven't we? I mean, we've got the Europa League. Hopefully, the 100 or so it takes to qualify for the, for the <laughs> final in that competition. But we are going to need more bodies than we've got at the moment. Definitely. And I think you see, I guess, with how the squad's um, shaped up so far, I think it's clear to everyone where you still need to fill the gaps in. I think the... The interest in, say, Lissandro Martinez, for example, is very it's a very obvious why there is interest there, especially when you looked at the the game against Nuremberg, where obviously Kirantini came off because he was planned to come off after half an hour. 30 minutes, um, yeah. That's what they yeah. basically just... It was just giving him a little run out, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, but even when you say look at Pablo Mari and you see the quality drop off compared to him and Gabriel I think you you saw not just in terms of obviously the physical stuff in terms of pace and um, strength but just being a, a proactive defender as well that's what I think you need to be able to play as high up the pitch as say Mikel Arteta wants to and then of course you've yes. got a few other areas that need addressing too but I feel like yeah you're still probably a, a few too short. A few, a few areas. A few. Where you're saying a few. Stretching. I'm saying two. But I get what you're saying. No, I totally get it. I, I, Three. I do, and I think that's interesting. <laughs> I think that's interesting, uh, Adrian. What Art is saying there about you, that Mikel Arteta wants his defenders to be constructive as well as destructive, basically. And Mari really, he's a, he's a sort of stopper, isn't he? And and he's a bit limited uh, in terms of his passing out of defence and coming forward. He's, yeah, he, look, he's a decent enough footballer, but he's just a bit too slow. Um, and and in this game, he was exposed for for pace several times down that side. So yeah, what what thing happened in the second half was that they sort of experimented with Gabriel as the left side centre back, and he spent a lot of his time actually at left back, um, just the, with the way that we were playing. So so that's a just another little bit of a thought process from Mikel Arteta. If anything happens, could we go with a back three if we lose Tierney and and use Gabriel in that position and and retain. 
and Martinelli or whatnot in, in front. So I think he's just playing around with some some ideas. We definitely need a left side to centre back cover and someone that can play left back as well. And Lissandro Martinez fits the bill. 100% central midfield, we look exceptionally light at the moment. I know not everyone's fully back into training. I think they will be on tour, but we look really light in there and um, and, and and up top as well. So they're, they're, they're the three positions, I think, we need to focus on. that. We don't <laughs> need another through wide. through the pitch. Yeah, yeah. well, left yeah. back, central midfield, strike. I, I think all the other areas, we have enough. Yeah, I would say. Um, uh, Mohamed El Nene scored a, uh, uh, I think you could call it a screamer, uh, 30 uh-huh. yards out. Now to Niketia. Decent block. El Nene with an absolute howitzer into the corner. What a difference the subs have made. Walloped uh, into the top corner, really. Um, oh, with El Nene, I mean... If we'd have said a year ago we were going to be discussing him and we'd have given him a new contract and he's, everyone loves him, people would have thought it was a bit crazy. But here we are. And he and he played a big part last season and he could play a big part this season as well. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, as convinced on big being the word. Oh, but, um, I, I don't, I don't oh, really? want to sound... Yeah, Buzz I, I kill. Do, sorry, sorry. But I, I just feel like... Um, He's a decent option to have. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given him one year plus an option. Um, Good I think person to have in the dressing room, though, right? Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's and what I everyone think, says. Yeah, I think you do need players like that. I mean, you look further down the pitch and you've got Rob Holden, who's not going to be starting every Premier League game, but is someone who's very well respected in the club. And um, I think is someone who really does lead that dressing room. So Adrian. I think you Sorry, I just want to bring Adrian in for that particular point. Having been in a dressing room, is this true that you you really do need some of those players? And and everyone knows that they're not quite the stand. They're not going to be first team, including them. But everybody likes having them around. I think it does help, yeah. Because obviously you've got, I don't know how many pros Arsenal have got, how many first team squad members. Let's say there's 25 first team squad players. Obviously, that means that 14 aren't going to start and you need a few that you, you can't have all of them that the the types that sulk and, and and moan and and squabble when they're out of the team you need the good eggs to to, to be able to handle not being yeah. in the team and to just you know keep the spirits up with that sort of group of players that are on the sidelines as well as you know having a laugh with the players that are involved so yeah no i think good personalities are important you can't carry Players just because of that, you can't you can't sign a Moel Nenny only because he's a good egg in the dressing room. But it, it's a definite part of the reason that they've done it. And I have to say, he surprised me how well he played last season. He was mm. he was by and large so. very good. He's, he's got huge limitations, um, which is why he shouldn't be a starter really uh, on a consistent basis. But a decent player to bring. Yeah, in. and and it wasn't just the one goal. I mean, it's a screamer from 35 yards. He almost got a second yeah. where the goalkeeper made a wonderful save and it was just as far out. So he's got, he has got a goal threat um, from, from long distance, which is something we, we haven't really seen a lot of in, in recent seasons. A couple of other people I want to talk about. Emil Smith-Rowe, you talked about him in your piece, Art. Uh, Art has written a piece about the game um, on the Athletic website. He's going to be a backup to Martin Erdegaard, isn't he? And he's going to come in wide uh, on occasion. 
Well, yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm I'm not 100% sure, I don't think anyone is at the moment, who's going to be fixed in that starting eleven with so many players able to play in those kind of forward or attacking midfield positions. So you've got Martinelli, Smith-Rowe, Nelson, Fabio Vieira, Saka, Erdegaard. It's how, how do you fill that, that, those gaps up? And I think if, say, it is uh, a case of Martin Erdegaard might need a rest or something like that, then as an alternative, you have Smith-Rowe who played as a 10 against Nuremberg and was doing similar things to what Erdegaard was doing last season in terms of dropping into the left half space rather than but the on right. on the other to, side, yeah. Basically a mirror image, going to collect the ball off the defence and then the left winger stays high and then he has a choice whether to drive up the pitch or, or combine. And I think that's just having the ability to do that on both sides would really help Arsenal's attack because I think it was really, I guess, a massive trend of last season that Erdegaard uh, would pick the ball up off Tomiyasu and then combined with Saka. I mean, those two in particular were, I think, third and fifth, respectively, for shot-creating actions in in the Premier League last season. Uh, I think just having a bit more balance about the play could help just be a bit less predictable, which is something Arteta's been banging on about for a while, actually, even towards the end of last season. So I think having options is the main thing, even if someone's not going to be starting every single game, having the ability to rotate and have proper quality in the team, especially in those attacking areas, whenever you're on the pitch could be crucial because I think even even though there were some improvements in terms of the amount of chances that Arsenal were creating last year, they're, they're still a, a little way for them to go, I think, especially when um, when playing against teams who just sit back Quite. A couple more very brief points before we move on from this. Reese Nelson uh, played. Adrian, um, he hasn't really uh, fulfilled his potential at Arsenal. Do you think he he's, he features in uh, Mikel Arteta's plans for next season? I think he'll have an open mind on Reese Nelson. I don't think he would have made his mind up, actually, Mikel Arteta, because he's clearly someone he likes. He's someone that is gifted and can... Can deliver, I think, but but is he just short of Arsenal level? That's the the feeling I, I get, and that maybe for his career he he might need to 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 build that elsewhere. But I think he'll give him an opportunity during preseason. The one thing about Reese is that he's an up and coming player, a player on the rise. So you would anticipate that if we do decide to sell him, there'll be good money on offer for him reasonable money anyway because yeah because that yeah it, it, there's growth there as a player i be like a joe willock situation wouldn't yeah, it yeah if the right offer sort of comes in i think they would take it because purely as well because of the competition there's there's an awful lot of players ahead of reese at the moment and yeah in in his shoes i wouldn't want to give up on it but i would also have to be realistic and think how, many, how much game time am I, am I going to get with these guys ahead of me in the pecking order? And for, and for that reason, I think he might leave. And there are some other the academy players uh, coming through. Um, are, um, Charlie Patino, Ladham Hand, uh, Arthur Oconquo. Um There's also, um, now you, you tell me how to say this, Real Walters? <laughs> Ruel. Uh, Ruel. Close. Not even close. <laughs> to be honest, I got it the wrong way around. Ruel Walters. Tell us about him. Well, I mean, Rob Waters is 
quite an interesting one because he was he's still only 17 was brought into the 23 side last season um when he was 16 and although he played center back uh against Nuremberg he is a right back very adaptable uh, then I like yeah. the sound of that. <laughs> um, he was very much trusted quite quickly by Kevin Betsy last year because um, at the stage he was brought up from the 18s, it was when Brooke Norton Cuffey was having a little bit of an injury um, to deal with and uh, he slotted in fairly well, was able to do multiple uh, or say meet Kevin Betsy's demands, which is not only being able to play as, say, a fullback in a four, but also a wingback in a five who can actually not just go around the outside, but receive the ball on the inside and kind of burst through through the midfield. So a very um, intelligent player. And I think what's probably the most interesting is, <laughs> he, I, f- I believe he took a couple of years out of academy football um, and to get this kind of this far, this quickly with that in mind is quite quite says an achievement lot. says a lot let's keep an eye uh, on him uh, Ruel Walters uh, he signed his first professional uh, contract uh, Arsenal travel to the US next um, they play Everton in Baltimore on Sun on Saturday the 16th of July Orlando to face Orlando City on the 20th and then Chelsea on Saturday the 23rd This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Adrian, while we're talking about the academy, you were at the uh, premiere. Uh, you said it's got a low-key event, really, of uh, inside Hale End uh, at the screen on the green in Islington last night. It didn't have quite the style wattage of the Arsene Wenger Invincible uh, uh, <laughs> premiere, but even still, this is... When we look at some of the players we've got on the pitch right now, particularly Bukayo Saka and Mill Smith-Rowe, you know, we could be looking at some of the stars of the future inside yeah, the, on this film now. Yeah, no, it was a really nice event. It, it was basically an in-house premiere. Not many people were invited to it. It's mainly employees and the, and the kids involved, their parents, members, the coaches from the academy. I managed to, to blag an invite and uh, I saw, <laughs> actually stood at the back of the screen on the green in Islington, which is a very nice Great. cinema. And um, yeah, so basically over the course of last season, that they, they, they filmed um, a documentary inside Hayland. It's going to be a six-parter um, released on Arsenal.com. 
um, staggered over the next few weeks. And, and we got to see episodes one and two. Um, and then afterwards, there was a Q&A with, um, with Per Mertesacker, Adam Birchall and Jack Wilshire. Uh, and it was announced, obviously, yes. that Jack is the new head coach of the under-18s alongside Adam Birchall, who's going to assist him. So, yeah, it was a really nice evening. Documentary was interesting as well, and, and it makes you want to see the next episode, which I think is always a good sign. Some nice little storylines in there with the, the kids that you follow. You got a lovely insight into into the sort of methods within the academy and the detail that goes on. And yeah, I think that fans will enjoy it. It's a nice idea, and uh, and I think Pear seemed quite happy with how it came out. He was probably a little bit nervous. And they, they were very keen, actually. I think I think the one thing you've got to consider here is that this is made by Arsenal and they are not going to focus solely on the star players and big them up too much for, for maybe obvious reasons. They don't want to, to sort of, you know, no, spread the word so much. Um, and also there was, a, there was a, the theme in episode two was sort of decision time where they were releasing players or, or signing them up for a scholarship. And we got to see... The good side, where you know a little bit behind the scenes, where one of the young players and his family were told the good news. We didn't actually get to see anyone release, which was kind of a shame. But I also understand it because it's a sensitive moment, isn't it? But but it's a tough moment. Your dreams. I mean, I mean, I've heard some of the kids describe it. Uh, and their their dreams are essentially shattered. I mean, it doesn't mean that they can't go on to have successful football careers, just not for the Arsenal. And, and Per was asked about this on stage afterwards, and he just they said, "How do you sort of cope with that?" And he just said, "Lots of breathing beforehand." And you know, he just said, "You don't like." He was really nervous, but he said, "Over time, you just got to sort of learn." the right way to put these messages across and it, and it isn't the end of the journey or it doesn't have to be the end of the journey it, it can be the start of something new and exciting for these young players elsewhere so so yeah no I did enjoy it and I think that I think that people will so yeah check it out when it when it's uh, when it's released but it was it was good to see Jack there and, and and yeah enthusiastic about his new job well we'll talk about Jack in a second uh oh I want to ask you about Per Mertesacker I mean I'm not saying that he he wasn't quite up to the standard of uh, some of the other players in the dressing room, but we knew we always knew he had limitations. But he he did seem like one of those good guys to have around. Just very very open, honest, you know, good-hearted guy. And and uh, and I guess dealing with with young kids, I imagine it comes across quite strongly how important he is to the whole setup. Yeah, I think you you see that in just the way I guess he interacts with people as well because. If you're in such a influential role, you don't really want someone who's, say, standoffish, doesn't really no. um, comprehend how big these moments are for people who have been, say, in the academy since maybe the age of eight or nine. So yeah, almost kids. half their lives. Yeah. And I think he's probably really understood that and you kind of get a real, a real grasp that he does. And yeah, I think... When, when you say, oh, good, good person to have around the changing room, I think it's just also not just that, but you could see even when he was playing, he had a real football kind of brain anyway, um, not just what goes on on the pitch, but how a club is actually run. So I think all that kind of comes together and meshes. So you have someone who can almost guide, guide that, that wave um, pretty nicely. 
he has sort of crafted these four pillars. You've probably seen it, seen it before, but the four pillars are the sort of, you know, mottos of, of the academy, you know, lifelong learner, being an efficient mover, being a team player and, you know, having a champion mentality, all of these things. Everything is sort of comes back to those four four pillars that he he constructed. And I think the big thing with Pear is getting good people in, not just the best coaches, but good people into the academy to look after the children. Because as they said in the, in the documentary, this is this kind of is their childhood, these kids. Yeah. This is their childhood. A lot of it is spent at Arsenal in the academy. So they want, it's more than just football. And that, that really comes across. The two coaches are great in the documentary. It, basically, it follows the under-15s and the under-16s. It's Adam Pilly and uh, Adam Birchall that are the two, the two main coaches. And yeah, they come across really, really well. So... Yeah, it, it, it'll be insightful. You know, it's it's yeah. I, th- I think it's something that Arsenal fans um, should check out if they get the chance. And it all goes well for the future. Uh, one of the uh, coaches, uh, the new coach, just co- he's just been appointed uh, to coach of the under 18s is uh, Jack Wilshire, uh, recently retired from the game at the criminally, I think, young age of 30 years old. But we all understand the injury problems and all the rest of it. And I was watching the, uh, I was watching a replay of the Barcelona game uh, the other day again, when Jack just matched up with Xavi and Iniesta with Cesc next to him. Oh my God, they were good days. Um, we did speak a lot about Jack Wilshire when David Ornstein uh, interviewed him earlier this year. Having someone like Jack there, Art, this is a player that you would have grown up with. And now he's in the academy helping the under-18s He's going to have a lot of experience uh, to pass on. And also, by the way, experience of the, the good and bad side of the game. Definitely. He's been doing his coaching badges for a while, so it's not going to be something that's completely new to him as well. I think that's really important because you can't just be getting a job based on <laughs> who you are. And I think he really no. has shown that he's put the application in for this this role because even, say, last before last season, he was working on his coaching badges. And I think then last year he was working with the 17s, 18s and 21s as well. You saw him at a few games. I remember, uh, I think it was Papa John's game against Ipswich. He was there having a little kind of word with Charlie Fatino after the game. But yeah, I feel like you are someone who is looked at as the guy of the academy. Um, there obviously comes, I guess, a bit of... Re- more than respect there's probably maybe an aura I guess because I I think I met him for the first time a couple months ago and even I was a bit like oh my god that's Jack Wilshere fair enough that's how it should be the guy was a phenomenally talented player yeah and but I think the thing is as well the way he plays that is he's just a normal guy like he he's so calm about everything and I think just puts almost puts everyone else at ease. And I think one thing, so I managed to like have a little chat with him and one thing he said that he's kind of been most big on when talking to young players is the attitude that they have when it comes to wanting to actually learn more about football and how they can progress because some players might just think, oh, I'm the best player in the world and everything's going to fall at my feet. But I think, as you mentioned, Ian, he has experience of I guess the the two major ex- extremes of football so being able to I guess learn off someone like that should be invaluable especially at such um, 
a formative age for so many, so many of those players. We wish him the best of luck, and it's great to have him as part of the club. I mean, we, I think every Arsenal fan would feel that because uh, yeah. he feels the same way about the club that we do. Yeah, he said on stage last night that when he was playing over in Denmark, all he could, when he woke up in the morning, all he could think about was coaching. It just sort of dawned on him that for the first time ever, it, he wasn't that worried about. He wasn't interested in the playing side as much. He was just thinking about coaching sessions and. And that that was enough to sort of convince him to to make that decision, which I think bodes well. I said I said this on the Totally Show yesterday, but under 18s for those that, that that won't get to hear that, I do believe that under the under 18s post is the second most important coaching role at any football club outside the manager because you take the kids when they're kids, they come out of school, and by the time you pass them on. They've got to be kind of almost first team ready, haven't they? They've got to be men. So that, that, that two years is sink or swim time. Full-time football, out of school, full-time for the first time. You learn so much and you have to take so much in. And I think if you get the right coach, the right mentor, a person that you really connect with, then it can propel you to go on and have a, have a wonderful career. So it's a really valuable role that he's got here. Jack Wilshere and yeah I, I wish him all the best and I hope he's a roaring success because if he's good at it it's going to benefit Arsenal hugely it yes. really is so um, well fingers yeah. crossed and he, he's got a good 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 lad alongside him I think this Adam Birchall who's another former academy graduate by the way who went into coaching quite early um, I think they'll make a good team before we go a couple of things on this day uh, in this is Arsenal history um, Bakary Sanya signed God, I used to love watching him go out for headers when the when the ball was kicked out for a goal kick. And it used to scare me, to be honest, the collisions with people. <laughs> My God, the bravery of the boy. So I uh, I enjoyed watching him. Uh, I also should say that um, certain Arsenal players, uh, Patrick Vieira and um, Emmanuel Petit particularly, uh, won the World Cup for France on this day, leading to the great Evening Standard head- headline, Arsenal win the World Cup. Uh, on a less... Uh, 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 salubrious note George Graham was found guilty as well <laughs> not such a good day uh, for the Arsenal but uh, still an Arsenal legend some notable events do you remember uh, Petit and uh, and Vieira scoring that third goal Adrian in the World Cup I do final? yeah yeah it was it was glorious wasn't it yeah I it think was we a lovely because fr- we'd won the double that year as well yeah yeah it was peak Petit Vieira time wasn't it and yeah, they were untouchable, and it, it was it was really nice. I think for Arsenal fans, even though we were gutted that England weren't sort of part of the the shake up at that that World Cup finals, but it was great to see our boys go on and go on and win the trophy. Even though I think, from a neutral perspective, what what happened with um, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, with this yes. sort of mystery about why why he wasn't quite right for that final, that kind of put put a sort of sour note on it. But but yeah, our boys were tremendous. But Petit. In particular, was was sensational. Quite, and uh, oh, I'm assuming we're looking forward to Saka lifting the World Cup this winter. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say anything too early, but uh, we will see. <laughs> I should say it's on this day, on the 12th of July. Just in case you're listening uh, tomorrow, uh, let's have a song before we go. Art, do you have a song for us? Fairly self-explanatory. Um, it's Heat by Fifty Cent. Yeah, that is fairly self-explanatory. What you got, Adrian? (laughs) Five Star, 
uh, <laughs> five star, that sort of cheesy band from from the eighties. Um, just but we've scored five in the first sort of training ground friendly. We scored five over in in Nuremberg, and I, I was looking through five star songs this morning, and there's one, and it was one of their big hits called System Addict, which I think Michael Arteta, Michael Arteta could be described as. He used two or three systems in the game against Nuremberg. So five star systematic. Nice. Well, I've always, I've been, I've done this before, but uh, uh, as we're talking about the Hayland Academy, I've gone for kids. Robbie Williams song, which I believe Mm -hmm. he sang with Kylie Minogue. Um, a thousand years ago <laughs> when even <laughs> I was young anyway uh, that's it for the handbrake of podcast thank you to Abby our producer thanks to Art and Adrian and thank you listener for listening we do appreciate it we're back at some point next week stay cool kids it's hot out there see you As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.